0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. All right, welcome. It's a Friday night and it's a disability law show. Good to have you along here every Friday, 630 till 7. You'll catch Savannah myself sometimes. Somebody else from the firm will be popping in to, uh, to interject, but for the most part, we're rolling for the next half hour. Here is how you get a hold of Savan, by the way. Co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the land. one 821 5,900, that's the number you use all the time, email help at disabilityrights.ca. You can also go to the website called mydisabilityquestions.com. We get a ton of content from there, great questions being asked, and if you want to uh, take a moment to search for your question, it's a searchable database, and it could have been asked before, saving some time, right? And then there's really easy-to-follow free and anonymous notations about uh, disability law. We call that LTD FAQ. C A again free anytime. Go have a look at those as well. But we got lots of stuff to get through on the show uh, this evening, Savannah. What do you got off the hot,
1: brother? John, I want to start off with a uh, an article that was in the uh, in the in the Toronto Star mm-hmm. um, j- uh, just this week uh, I- at the end of March, and the title is "When Does Intense Grief Become a Mental Disorder? Psychiatrists Now Have an Answer." And below that it says, after decades of debate, prolonged grief disorder is officially part of American psychiatrics sorry psychiatrist diagnostic manual. How will this impact care in Canada? And so they go on and talk specifically with relations in in relation to to the last two years. You know, COVID, everything related to COVID, and they're talking about people lamenting. The loss of friendships, uh, mourning a job they loved, the routine they cherished, uh, you know, loved ones who have potentially passed away, etc. Yeah. And they're talking about we're talking about millions of people who are dealing with these psychiatric and psychological uh, uh, conditions now, whether it's related to COVID uh, it, it directly or in peripheral way. These individuals, many of them, have been unable to work as a result. And they've been treated by doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, social workers, a variety of individuals out there who's trying to help them. And in addition, these individuals, to get them through this rough patch, have applied for disability, specifically long-term disability. And many of them have been denied by their insurance companies. Now, again, I want to make sure people understand here, if you are disabled from working, because of a psychiatric, a psychological, or physical, whatever condition you may have, and you have doctors, uh, treatment providers who are saying that you cannot, ha- you, you cannot work because of this condition, and you have access to a short-term or long-term disability policy, either through work through your benefits plan or privately because you've purchased that policy. If you've been denied by your insurance company, you may have legal recourse. And mm-hmm. this is key to understand John because many people are just simply not in a position to advocate for themselves they're too tired they, they feel defeated you know with everything that's been going on and you know this article here in the Toronto Star really you know hammers it home and says you know this is not something that is just happening to a few people it's happening across the board I suspect across the world not just in Canada but in Canada specifically and so uh, it, this reflects the experience that our lawyers Uh, In all our offices, in in Ontario, in BC, in Alberta, all our lawyers are now seeing this impact on individuals. And and I tell you, I'm surprised that insurance companies, in many ways, in many cases, people that I've spoken to, these insurance companies are being so callous. There's there's almost no empathy, no sympathy for for what people are going through. And what I want to get out there as a message to people is, as a lawyer that practices long-term disability law and my team, by the way, which is like a top-notch team of lawyers that deals with this kind of stuff on a daily basis, you have power. You have recourse. You have to make the decision and you're not going to let the insurance company trample over your rights, Mm -hmm. and you make that decision by picking up the phone, by emailing us your questions, etc. We are interested in giving out this information to people out there. If what you choose to do with it is your choice, but you need to understand that if you are unable to work and you have doctors supporting you being off work because of Again, any kind of disability, whether it's mental, whether it's psychiatric or physical or a combination of all of those, the insurance company should be approving your claim. And if they're not, you should be seeking legal help. If not from us, then from some other uh, disability law firm. But you need to be seeking help.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how, um, you know, if it's if it's something new or at least something that's come to the forefront over the last couple of years because of this, this onslaught of COVID-19, how the insurance companies are going to try to pivot to deny claims. And it's 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 now been it's been qualified as a mental disorder, and I mean mental. We often talk about this as well. Mental disabilities that people off work for, they don't always show up on a, a CT scan or an X-ray, and it's hard to for the insurance company. Even at this point, they're getting better at it. But to swallow that and qualify people, and they just end up denying claims. That's what you're fighting for,
1: right? you're completely right john and you know if people were to google my name for example uh and and specifically uh, you know our law firm you'll see that one of the cases we're involved in has nothing even to do with disability you know early on in the pandemic A few years back we started a class action against td insurance because of travel insurance claims do you remember that there was a tsunami Mm -hmm. of claims because people couldn't go anywhere vacations were canceled there were expenses that class action is still ongoing and what i'm trying to, to stress here is whether it's travel insurance or disability insurance or house insurance insurance companies are in the business of making money And if you have something that happens that is not expected, that they didn't anticipate like COVID, and now they have to pay out a ton of money in these claims, you're going to try and find every excuse in the book to deny those claims. And in some cases, I've seen adjusters do the right thing and approve claims. In many, many cases, however, I've seen insurance companies and adjusters take completely unreasonable positions, completely. And, And how do I know that they're unreasonable? Because when we start the legal claims against them, they back off. Either they respond by reinstating the person, meaning that if they said to this person, we're going to cut you off disability or we're going to deny your disability claim, when we, when we get involved, they come back and say, oh, we made a mistake, and suddenly they put the person on claim, or they come to the table in order to try and negotiate a resolution, some kind of a settlement with our clients, because they understand that once we get involved, we know where the pressure points are. Uh, uh, we, we know exactly you know, how to pressure them to pay what, what they owe our clients. And they also understand that if they don't, we're going to take this all the way and a judge is going to force them to pay. So you're absolutely right, John. And, and again, because of COVID, because of what's happened, and not just COVID, just in general, insurance companies don't want to pay. But with mm-hmm. COVID, that's added an, another element of, of sort of uncertainty here. Uh, and insurance companies simply want to uh, you know, cut off the, the bleeds, so to speak, right? They don't want to spend money. And here's the other thing. They're assuming that as they cut people off or deny these claims, that the majority of people out there will simply walk away from the money that's owed to them and and they're correct for the most part i can tell you because many people do give up and it's only after they get informed whether it's by reading a blog or listening to one of our shows or seeing one of our shows on tv and they get informed and they get this information that they need only at that point many of them end up contacting us for information and their eyes open suddenly they understand they're not as powerless as they thought that they were and remember this whole idea of insurance companies having all this power vis-a-vis the individual is a mirage because while you're thinking that the insurance company is this billion dollar entity and they can do whatever they want they can hire an army of lawyers they don't do that they don't hire an army of lawyers they hire lawyers sometimes they have lawyers working for them but they hate spending money on lawyers I know I worked for them in the past I remember that they would scrutinize all of my bills that I would send them when I was defending them they hate paying their lawyers So if you stand up for your rights, if you get the information you need, if you empower yourself by getting this information and then acting on it to enforce your rights or at least having a lawyer enforce your rights against them, I'm telling you, John, they capitulate. They capitulate and they pay. And when they open their checkbook and they write for one of my clients, $100,000 here, $300,000 there, $500,000 here, it's not because they're being charitable, it's because they understand they have no choice. And if that person walked away and didn't actually challenge them, the insurance company would be pocketing this money.
0: one 821 5900 the number to reach out any time. Keep that number with you. Uh, when we're not doing the show, feel free to reach out to uh, to Savannah and his team. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address we use on the show here on a on a Friday as well. What, uh, what do you got next on the docket, pal?
1: Well, I actually want to read you an email I I literally received uh, uh, a few days back. Um, I'm not going to mention some names here, the insurance company name or the individual, but here's what he wrote me, this person here who lives just just outside of Toronto. Uh, He he says, uh, good afternoon. I'd like to speak to you regarding a short-term disability claim that I've submitted uh, uh, for stress. I've submitted doctor's notes and the appropriate paperwork, but the insurance company just informed me that they're denying the claim could you please contact me to discuss this matter? John, if I had a nickel for every time I had an email, one of those kinds of emails come through my mailbox, I, I'd be a millionaire by now. I mean, yeah. I, I would not need to, to work because there's so many people out there, whether it's short-term disability or long-term disability, whether it's stress or depression or PTSD or a phobia or whatever it is you're experiencing, as long as you have a doctor doctor's treatment provider's who are putting in writing that whatever condition you have is preventing you from performing the tasks, the essential tasks of your occupation. The insurance company ought to approve your claim. And I'm telling you, John, the amount of excuses that I see on a daily basis from these insurance companies for why they're denying these claims, I see them saying that your claim is, doesn't have sufficient documentation to prove nope. your, your disability. I've seen them say that, you know, your, your, your disability is simply not significant enough or, or you're not totally disabled under the policy. I've seen all of these kinds of excuses, a ton. I've seen excuses based on surveillance that they conduct on people saying, oh, look, we cut you going to the grocery store. So therefore, you can't have depression. You know, just nonsense. I've seen cases where... The insurance company had denied a claim or cut off a person from benefits, and listed over 10 reasons why they said they were right in cutting off benefits. And when we got involved, we literally picked apart each one of those reasons, ending with a resolution for our client in this six figures, mid six figures. So, so my point is, again, this email I just read to you about this person with stress, it's important to understand, you know, if the insurance company says you're not totally disabled, you need to understand that as long as you're unable to perform the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years of disability, you should qualify for LTD. And again, if you have any questions, you go to mydisabilityquestions.com, you post your question, or you, you email our email uh, hotline, and none of this costs money, right? I wanna, I wanna say this, uh, just straight out. It, not, it, talking to us, talking to our lawyers, parallel, none of this costs any money. We want to give you this information. We want to arm you with this information so that you understand what your insurance company can and cannot do.
0: Want to move on to the next matter, but we got to take a short break to do that. In the meantime, write this down, keep it. As mentioned, you'll want to contact any time, especially when the show is done. Just to have a a chat with Savannah, a member of his team, uh, here's how, 1-855-821-5900, right? Help at disabilityrights.ca as well. And another uh, place for you to ask your questions anonymously at that, mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll continue on the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. All right. Thanks for standing by. Welcome back. Disability Law Show here on a Friday evening. Hope your weekend's uh Looking promising. Want to get to uh, to more of our show here, Disability Law Show, Fridays, 6.30 till 7 o'clock. Savannah here to educate you anytime. You can always reach out anytime as well. 1-855-821-5900. The email address we usually go to is help at disabilityrights.ca and then there's my mydisabilityquestions.com. You can ask questions there as well. You can search for your question. Maybe someone else asked one similar in the past has been answered. If not, leave it there and uh, the guys will get to it for sure. We often talk about Uh, Dealing with long term disability insurers and and that sort of stuff. Savannah, how about personal injury? I mean, this is another avenue you guys explore. Tell me about it.
1: We, We do, absolutely, John. In fact, that's my background. Initially, when I started working as a lawyer, junior lawyer, years and years ago, I, like I said, I worked for insurance companies, and some of our lawyers on my team did the same thing. They defended insurance companies, mm-hmm. uh, and they defended in with respect to slip and falls and car accidents. And then subsequently, when we created our firm, all these years ago, we switched sides, and we start representing people who have been injured, seriously injured. Because of slip and falls on ice, because right. of car accidents, you know, when it was not people's fault, it was somebody else's fault, but it caused significant injuries. And so there are common issues that you start seeing as you as you do these kinds of cases. And I'll tell you this, John, there are a lot of lawyers who say that they do personal injury or that they do long-term disability and yes they may do it but they're not experts at it they don't have the expertise the time the the you know the, the experience uh, the, the cases that they've worked with the complexity to actually say that they bring everything to the table so i'll tell you i mean we're now you know it's coming towards the end of the the winter season we know spring is is here summer is going to come soon and every winter traditionally people get injured unfortunately yeah with slip and falls, and it's important to understand that if you are injured in a slip and fall accident, not not, not your fault, uh, there was ice, the place was not taken care of, let's say it's a sidewalk, let's say it's a, it's a parking lot, you know, you've gone to the grocery store, if you are injured and whoever was supposed to take care of the property did not take care of the property uh, reasonably, meaning it was not salted, it was not taken care of, it created the danger, a hazard, there are laws in place across Ontario, in Ontario, the Occupier's Liability Act that deals with this. And you do need a lawyer or a law firm that will help you with that. And yes, there are billboards out there and there are many lawyers advertising. I'm not going to tell you that I'm the only lawyer. My team is the only team that deals with this. What I will tell you is that we have a record of success. We are very well known in the industry. And I'll tell you that insurance companies are very familiar with us. And there is a respect that they have earned, that we have earned with them. And there's been many cases, I can tell you that when I was working as a defense lawyer in the past, and I was dealing with, with lawyers on the other side who were presented victims of personal injury, like car accidents, slip and falls. And I got good deals from my insurance company clients because the lawyers representing the injured people, injure, injure, the injured individuals, did not do you know a good enough job. I'll, I'll give you yeah. an example. I, I remember defending a case where an elderly lady slipped and fell on ice outside of an apartment building, a friend's apartment building. We found out uh, that, uh, unfortunately, whoever was supposed to be taking care of the of the uh, snow removal maintenance and ice maintenance uh, did not do a good job. And in fact, there were previous complaints. Well, this elderly lady, who was in her uh, late 60s, fractured her hip, had two surgeries. Remember, I was def- I was defending the apartment building here for the insurance company, so I was not representing the the, the lady. And, and right, you know, right. I remember dealing with the lawyer for this lady, and, and I can't tell you what the settlement was for, but we ended up settling for a quarter of what she deserved because the lawyer representing this lady did not know what oh, she man, was you doing. you knew it. Yeah, absolutely. And so when I switched sides and started representing these individuals who've been injured, especially people, by the way, not just the elderly, but individuals who now can't work because of their injuries, individuals who now uh, can't work as much as they did before. And so you have these significant income loss claims that build up. I made it my mission and really my group's mission to make sure that we don't leave a cent on the table. That when we go against an insurance company, they pay for everything that they have to pay for our clients as an example another example john let's say you have somebody who's injured in a car accident it's not their fault but because of this accident this person now needs help at home and let's say that they need to hire somebody to help them at home or to do stuff like snow maintenance uh you know for their parking lot or 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 or, or perhaps you know a, a lawn maintenance or or just help them with activities of daily living maybe it's a family member even those individuals are entitled to compensation. If for example, you have a family member that is not spending time helping you after an accident over a prolonged period of time, that family member potentially has a claim, a derivative claim to the main claimant who's injured against whoever was at fault. So again, there are many issues, like that and there's complexities here, but the key thing to understand is this. If you or someone you know is injured, seriously injured, whether it's a broken bone, whether it's a a, a tear in the shoulder, something. And that impacts in a significant way, the way they live, the way they function, not able to work. Please, please contact us for information so we can actually tell you what you could be entitled to, what you you should be aware of. And I'll tell you also, John, I'm very upfront with people. I'll tell you if I think you have no case. I mean, if you're listening out there and you know, you're know you thinking you can game the system, I'm the last lawyer you want to come to because I'm going to call you up on it. I'm going to tell you you have no case. Don't even bother. There are law firms out there who know that people are trying to game the system and they're going to take them on. We're not those kinds of lawyers. Okay, We have very high threshold for when we take on a case. But if I tell you you have a case, we're going to pursue that case at the end. We're going to put all of our firm resources behind that case. So really important to understand that you have to be very selective and very careful which lawyers you go to if you, a loved one, a colleague, a friend, has a serious personal injury matter that you want to pursue.
0: We often talk about how some people, for whatever reason, well, first of all, they haven't heard the show or heard it enough times in the past, but they are, they're often hesitant to, to do anything about it. And they're, they're, they're scared to reach out uh, when it comes to disability claim. Do you find the same thing with personal injury? And why is that?
1: I do, I do, and I find out with people who are, are typically the kinds of people who just don't want to bother anyone and there's people who you know when they go to a doctor, they don't want to bother the doctor, so they underreport their symptoms. you know people out there think that by making a personal injury claim, a legitimate one somehow they're taxing the system or you know they're they're yeah, committing yeah, yeah, yeah. you know some not fraud necessarily, but they're one of those people. look if you've no. been injured and it's, it wasn't your fault. Again, whether it's a car accident or a slip and fall or a bicycle accident, it was someone else's fault. It doesn't mean that other person did it on purpose. Of course not. People don't injure someone else uh, intentionally for the most part, right? I mean, it, you know, these are, it's negligence, it's, it's, it's a mistake. But this is why we have insurance. That's why I'm telling people, if you're injured, and your injury is serious, you need to pursue your claim. You have certain rights under the law. And it's gonna be an insurance company ultimately that ponies up the money. It's most likely not going to be the person that you're going after or the entity, you know, the parking lot or the store that you're going after. But again, I'm not telling you to pursue a claim if you don't have a legitimate claim. I'm not saying that. In fact, I want people not to make claims if, you know, it's not a huge issue. And, and, you know, if it's just a scrap, I mean, I fell a few weeks ago. I was playing with my kids and I I just fell. And yes, there was ice there. Yes, it wasn't taken care of. But to be honest with you, John, my knee hurt for like a day and that's it. I'm not going to do anything about that. But I'll tell you this, if my father was there and because of that, you know, lack of maintenance, he broke his knee you can bet you that I would make a claim against whoever owned that parking lot because they ought to have hired people who took care of that area. And again, it's not a standard of perfection. So my point is this, if you're in a situation, by the way, you have to understand that you have a time limitations here, right? You can only start legal claims in Ontario uh, uh, within the two years from the data of the incident. There are some slight exceptions. And of course, if you're falling on city property, right like a sidewalk you have to notify the city clerk in writing of the accident provide details etc within 10 days of the incident itself yeah this is very important this is a, this is a notice provision under the municipal act It's really important if you've been injured, you need to get the information to at least make a decision as to whether or not you wanna pursue. Remember something else as well. You may be in a situation where you don't know what's gonna happen. You've been injured, but you don't know if it's gonna be a long-term injury, if the effects of the injury are gonna prevent you from working forever uh, or, or not. It's okay to wait, there's nothing wrong with waiting. Just be very careful of not bypassing or passing through the limitation period because once you get over the two year limitation period, the second anniversary of the injury, you may be precluded from bringing a legal claim which means the insurance company is laughing now. Because if, if they otherwise would have had to pay you $300,000 for your injury, now they don't have to pay you anything because they're protected by the limitation period. So you have to make sure that you get the information you need immediately. And again, this is what we do, it's on our website. Our lawyers talk to people each and every day about these issues, again, for free. And we don't pressure anyone. Many lawyers out there are very pushy. Frankly, to all the listeners out there, you want to go elsewhere, you want to go to a different lawyer, different law firm, be my guest, but do your homework. Make sure you're going to the right people. Because if you go to the wrong lawyer, it's like going to the wrong doctor. You're going to be sorry about this later. And I've seen this time and time again, John. It's, it breaks my heart sometimes people come to me after being represented by individuals that don't have the expertise in the area and so many mistakes have been made that I can't rectify them. So you need to get the right lawyer on your side. And we've built up a team at our firm that is tremendously capable and has results. And with that,
0: results. we will wrap it for an evening, big time. You uh, should definitely reach out. It, it's always just starts with the conversation. It will cost you nothing to reach Savannah and his team and just get your bearings to where you stand on either the disability front or the uh, personal injury front, doing both and, and serving for sure. 1-855-821-5900, that number. Email address we use, help at disabilityrights.ca. Another option to ask questions, mydisabilityquestions.com. And then finally, small, easy-to-read notes on disability law as well, LTDFAQ. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.